Well, it is seven o'clock and it is one of the nights of the week. The night where there's the bright side. So welcome to the bright side. <laughs> Usually there's only dark sides, but yeah. tonight there's a bright side. Tonight there is a bright side because what is tonight? One of the nights of the week. I was going to be smoother in my head. And then as it came out, it just tumbled out uh, like words yeah. on top of the other. Uh, this is uh, the bright side and I'm I'm Dr. Joel Hunter and I'm here with my dad. Dr. Joel Hunter, yay! And we are the Bright Side team. (laughs) And we are uh, talking tonight uh, about um, how to get food to people who need it. Uh, And uh, and that's, uh, this is different than Uber Eats, which sounds like it's just a lame joke, but it really is a a whole different category because there are people who uh, are hungry, which is, uh, it's hard for us to imagine in this country, in this country, uh, where you know a, a lot of a lot of food gets uh, thrown out, and where there's a lot of abundance, there there are still people hungry, uh, and it's a real problem. And part of the reason it's a problem is not a lot of people know. Yeah. Not, I mean, not a lot of people know, and we're going to get uh, to that um, when we uh, come back from our first commercial break. But that's not for a while. In the meantime, we're going to talk about all the stuff that's crowding out news like that, uh, stuff that's really important, like over in Great Britain. I was told, I'm, I'm so out on the news, and my, my <laughs> Bob told me this tonight, that there's a new royal baby. Oh, my goodness. Not only is there a new royal baby, Kate comes out holding this baby just hours after she had this baby. Wow. Huge baby. Uh, all, her, all her baby's been- um, <laughs> Huge baby. Huge baby. All her baby's been um, eight pounds and beyond. Wow. And she just comes out dressed up like a model, smiling. I, I, you must have to go through royal training even- for de- labor delivery. Yeah, it seems Holy cow. Like I'm not a royal expert. I'm close, <laughs> uh, but not exactly an expert yet. Uh, but it seems like behind the scenes, it seems a high likelihood that there was a conversation where she was not happy with William about having to do that. <laughs> I know. She's like, oh. Don't ever touch yeah. me again. Oh, I hate, I hate, <laughs> oh, I hate this, Joe. <laughs> hey, a little... <laughs> Got to bring up my Ouch. Huge, my huge baby. Uh, Roy Diff- I, I went Australian there towards the end, didn't it? <laughs> my apologies to the you royal know, family. You know what kills me about this is poor Harry. I mean, Harry just keeps getting bumped down the line. And Harry's the little brother, right? Harry's, okay. little, Harry's yeah. William's younger brother. And I was looking at the way this the succession goes. And first it goes to Charles. Um, and, uh, and then... And Charles has a sister, which I, I did not know that. Yeah, her I, mean, na- I think her name's Anne, and she she's like thirteenth on the list. Now I'm not sure how that works. That's the patriarchy that's a, right there. That's a rip. That's a ripoff yeah. right there. But then it goes to William, and then it goes to every one of William's kids before it goes to <laughs> Harry. Harry's, Harry's got to be saying, "Wait a minute, yeah. I'm the brother." That explains why he uh, he he flew over and married a, a Hollywood actress. He's yes. just like he's like he's like, "Oh no." I'm not going to be very busy <laughs> doing a lot of the ruling. It's not good. I used to have a good English accent, and it is not. Well, it's really falling. I got to hang out with. If there's any British listeners out there who would like to spend time with me, and we can work on my British accent, I'm I'm free most nights. Really, this is the only night. Uh, the rest of the time, I'm just listening to uh, British accent tapes. Believe it or not, to in- instruct my instruct my work. Uh, yeah, because Harry Harry was the guy. He was he was the one big in the news for a while there because he got married I, 
or he's getting married. Yeah. I'm going to say to, I don't know, Sigourney Weaver. I'm not yeah. sure. Somebody somebody famous. <laughs> I think it's Meghan Markle. Uh, wow. I could, you, I could your be, knowledge I could of be this wrong. stuff is astounding. I could it's be wrong. It's really impressive. Well, uh, I, I, but no, that get, name sounds right. You get all this news while you're waiting on the actual news. Yeah, that's and, true. And so, and so, and... So it's it's just one of those things where and Harry's well always been kind of the party guy. Yeah. William was always kind of the straight laced guy. So um but yeah, I think he's really happy. Yeah, I think I think that's good. And I, I think they in, I think they invited President Obama to their wedding and stuff. Um, no. Neither uh, Obama's nor Trump's were invited to the wedding. Oh really? Yeah. Man, burn. Yeah. <laughs> Still mad about that tea party. Still mad. Yep. I know. You gotta let it go. Let it go. You got to let that go. It was a long time ago. <laughs> and uh anyone could get fooled. They dressed up, they were very convincing. <laughs> now why you thought, well, we should we should have a bunch of Native Americans come on and inspect the tea. I don't know, but <laughs> but just call it good sport and uh, and then move on. I know. I don't know. Goodness. So uh, the other thing in the news, which again, uh, I basically come here and I'm like, what happened this week? <laughs> All I've done is look in people's eyes for the last 167 hours. Uh, uh, but uh, you were telling me about it's plastic eating. This bacteria. is a breakthrough. This is a breakthrough. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a creation care guy. I've always cared about the environment and and uh, and so. They have now um, um, successfully tested a new bacteria, watch this, that is able to digest plastics found in bottles and shopping bags. So they can send them after they get them, you know, mm-hmm. they get them up to speed because they still take too long to still digest. Still sluggish, going to yeah, go through sluggish, some rocky-like yeah. training you can, you sequences. You can understand that. I mean, that would constipate a bacteria. Yeah. Oh, you know, eating a bottle. Ah, this Holy is the cow. worst. <laughs> Like this is what I do. Ah. (laughs) This biological determinism. That is that is tough though. Um, I yeah I I read about it after you told me about it, and uh, it it's really interesting how they how they they figured out they they um the the typical plastic that's in water bottles is uh, PET. That's uh let's let's see polyethylene. Hold on, I'm gonna peek with one eye. Uh, Terra phthalate. That's wow. what it is. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones that has a pH in it. Terra Terra phthalate phthalate, and um, it is a uh, it's well, it's plastic. And so you know, uh, if you've ever if you've ever tried to eat that, you know, it's it's not good, and it, and your body won't do good with it. Um, partially because the bacteria that's in your gut won't do anything to it. But they they grew. Uh, they grew a bunch of uh, uh, bacteria. Now, bacteria and fungi, they are natural enemies to each other. I like, don't know that. Most of our uh, antibiotics, especially the early stuff that came about, was because they said, hey, uh, wherever we find mold, we find no bacteria. And where we find bacteria, we, we can't find mold. And huh. so uh, they uh, fun- fungi uh, naturally have antibiotics that they, that they release. Penicillin was... Fungus that was that was just discovered to be like, hey, this kills a lot of different bacteria, and so be oh, how fascinating! And so that's that's how they found this stuff. They uh, they they looked and uh, and and there is uh, there's fungus that can grow um, on this uh, plastic, and so they they had a bunch of bacterial strains on it and found you know which ones uh, which ones were left behind, which ones were naturally selected out, and 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 they ended up finding this one that they got to name because that's the thing, bacteria are changing a lot, but you can still split them into into different species, uh, Staphylococcus aureus would be the most famous. Wow. That's a staph infection. Yeah. 
Uh, and then there's uh, then there's fancy ones uh, that have longer names than that, which I just realized I'm not, I'm not going to go into because what's the point? <laughs> that was that was purely going to be to just puff myself up and be like, look what I had to remember. I would have been impressed a though. long time ago. I would have been impressed. Pseudomonas aeruginosa. So, 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 nice, <laughs> nice. And so I was about to guess that one. <laughs> but anyway, so they they said, okay, well we're going to name it uh, Idianella. Sakaniyasis. Uh and <laughs> you sounded this, Japanese there. This was done in Japan. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, and I so, wonder. Uh and so I just now I added that flair, but I have a feeling that's probably how that sounds. I, uh, I think so. They were like, we've discovered Iadanella Sakaniasis. And uh <laughs> and and these bacteria, they can eat plastic, and so which would be a really big deal. Now it takes six weeks now at a constant temperature of eighty-six degrees Fahrenheit to do, to to uh, uh, for it to actually eat, mostly because it's just like, oh yeah, <laughs> do you have any water? <laughs> it's really hot in here. <laughs> Is there any like any of that? Uh, uh, what's that sauce called that you put on everything? Oh, sriracha sauce. Uh, anyway, I lost it. Lost the vibe. Lost the momentum there. Um, so uh, it uh, it's going to be a while before they can get that stuff to actually uh, um, be of any use. Uh, that's where most of that stuff starts. I imagine that's what happened with penicillin too. They're like they're like, well, right now all we have is moldy bread. But just just <laughs> just squint, you wait. squint your eyes a little bit. <laughs> we got a cure for a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that made a lot of kings go crazy. But this over really the years. is a breakthrough because they didn't. I mean, just you know, a short time ago they thought this stuff is forever and this will last. You know, um, we'll never get rid of this stuff. It'll, it's going to pollute the earth forever. So yeah. it's a big breakthrough. And, and Mother Nature was like, oh, take a seat. Watch this. <laughs> Watch Sakanesis. Uh, so uh, that's that's uh, that's how uh, bacteria are eating these days. Watch this transition. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about uh, oh, a little bit more nice. about hunger. Nice. Yeah, was, oh, this is good. crowbarred a bit. Uh, we're going to see you in a couple of minutes after this break. Well, welcome back to The Bright Side. I'm Joel Hunter. I'm here with my dad, Joel Hunter. And uh, today, uh, the topic is hunger, which is uh, something that uh, it exists in America, but not as a theoretical thing. Like it actually, yeah, there are absolutely. people that, that are hungry and, um, and, and, and it's, it's a problem that's, uh, there's, a, there's a solution to it. It's just, it's trying to figure out how to, how to implement that. And it takes really smart people. And Pop knows a lot of smart people. I do. Uh, who's one of those, Pop? <laughs> well, we got uh, Leonard Jackson on with us tonight. Leonard, is, uh, Leonard and I are, are going to be uh, doing a, uh, uh, one of the panel discussions. They're, they're having a, an event at St. Luke's uh, United Methodist on May the 19th. Um, and it's, it's put on by Bread for the World. And it is the goal, of course, of that organization is to end hunger. Hmm. And so um, our particular panel has to do with racism. Um, Mr. Jackson is a, um, an attorney, um, a longtime leader in our community. He um, <clears throat> is in charge of the Guardian Ad Litem program um, uh, on a, I think on a state level. I can't wait I, to hear him tell yeah, me what that means. I'd love, yeah, yeah. I'd lo yeah I, I hope you will talk a little <laughs> bit about that, Leonard. But also, um, and then we, we can talk a little bit about hunger, um, the different aspects of hunger, 
hunger and, and what race has to do <clears throat> with hunger and, and so on and so forth. So let's just kind of launch into this. Mr. Jackson, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Well, well, thanks so much for having me, and I, I find it uh, to be a privilege and honor to be considered smart by uh, both of you, gentlemen. <laughs> that's sure. that's that's really nice. I went. I remember when I was uh, when I was uh, trying to get into medical school. I was shadowing this one doctor, <clears throat> and uh, you know, when you're when you're in high school, you you don't ever realize uh, high school and college. You, you don't ever quite realize you know uh, who your parents are because you just always live with them, and your world's really small. But I was shadowing this one doctor that I respected immensely. He was. He was, you know, he floated above the ground and he said to me, he's like, you know, your dad is the smartest man I've ever met. And I was like, whoa, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that qualifies for sainthood right there that he would, that he would say that. Um, so, uh, so we were talking a little bit about, about what you're doing. Um, I guess to, uh, to start off the, the thing that I'm, I'm curious about, um, is this May 19th event. What, what's, what's involved with that? I mean, it's, so it's a, it's a thing put on by Bread for the World, you said. And Bread for the World is a global organization. Um, it has, um, in my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, Leonard, it has um, local representatives, and and this event on May the 19th. Leonard, can you talk a little bit about the event? You know more about it than I do. Oh, absolutely. I'd be happy to. Uh, uh, yeah, Breath for the World is uh, based in Washington, D.C., and it's an advocacy group, and as uh, Dr. Hunter elucidated, it's, uh, it's goalless and hunger. Um hmm. And, and that's what they're about. And so what's going on on the 19th is being put on by Bread for World and uh, being held at St. Luke's uh, United Methodist Church is called the End Hunger Conference, From Charity to Empowerment. And uh, they're going to be looking at all the different aspects of how hunger is wrapped into all these different social issues that we're we're all struggling with and uh, policymakers are trying to figure out how to deal with and uh, we hear about on the news et cetera et cetera every and the breakout sessions that are going to address the hot topic issues are going to include hunger and mass incarceration hunger and farm workers um, and uh, racial inequality as uh, dr. Hunter uh, spoke to earlier that myself and he will will both be on doing that breakout session together. One of uh, what I really think is neat about this conference is that um, every participant is going to get the opportunity to participate in a simulation where they essentially get to walk in the shoes of somebody else. And all of these different issues that the hunger is, I'm sorry, the conference is designed to address will also be addressed in uh, the simulation. So everything from mass incarceration to property ownership to health care, uh, all of these issues uh, will be addressed in a way that will allow individuals to have a different perspective uh, from what they're used to or perhaps what they have heard or read or seen on the Internet. And then uh, we'll have all the various breakout sessions to um, give people the opportunity to more intimately address those issues and talk about them, and in some cases even debrief and decompress. I think that's re- I mean that's really helpful because I think I mean one of the issues that I can imagine, <clears throat> you know, uh, keeping this problem as a continuing problem, something that that starts this this cycle that's hard to get out of, is is a lot of the people that can do something about it 
uh, can't really visualize being being in it or it being a problem in the mm-hmm. first place, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that whole walk a mile in someone's shoes uh, thing, uh, that it's it's I can see how that would be. That's, that's be helpful huge. Thing. It's it's huge for especially people who <clears throat> don't want to just know the you know the intellectual statistics. They, I, I really challenge leaders in our community, and I do this not only for the hunger issue, but uh, there's an experience called COPE, um, the cost of poverty experience, where you really do, you, you're given scenarios and you walk through what these, what these families go through, and it gives you a heart. I, it's very difficult to be effective in helping somebody unless you empathize with them, mm-hmm. um, okay. even when you know how. The empathy gives them kind of the human dignity mm-hmm. uh, of, of <clears throat> well, I understand you as a person now instead of you're a problem I need to fix. Yeah. You know, you're a person. And there's a, you know, there's the quote, I mean, it's, it's Stalin who uh, I, we try not to use as a big fount of wisdom uh, here, but, you know, he talks about, you know, uh, one death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. And, and I think that that mm. has to do with that. You know, it's, yeah. it's, you can't, you can't wrap your head around that. And so it's a number, you know, yeah. and, and you can't wrap your head around that. Um, for the people that are actually, you know, suffering from this, uh, Mr. Jackson, would you, would you say, um, is it, is it just people that are just lazy and refuse to do something about it? Uh, or, or do you think there's some sort of, uh, some sort of institutional systemic problems that, that allow it to exist? We call that a softball in the business. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I really appreciate, and, I, and you know, the obvious answer is, uh, no, no, we're talking about individuals that are, you know, they have a certain level of self-respect and uh, being in the situation and being in the outs and where they are, uh, we're talking about people with families and children and who, you know, they have to make choices as to whether they eat or whether they uh, can afford medicine for their selves or for their children in certain cases. And so, uh, no, it's not about laziness. And, uh, you know, certainly it's not about people who are just trying to get over on the system. Uh, we, we are looking at systemic issues that have plagued our country for, 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 for I, I don't know how long. Um, you know, there are those, uh, an interesting piece that we'll get to see in, um, the simulation is this notion of racial equity versus racial equality. Um, and the notion goes, well, racial equality, yes, uh, that's where you give uh, certain access and opportunities to people, but it still doesn't necessarily bring about racial equity. Uh, when you start looking at the racial equity piece of uh, the history of our nation and uh, what has happened for decades, uh, you start looking at there are certain uh, systemic structures that are in place that are hindrances, encumbrances, and barriers for people to be able to overcome and try to be the self-sufficient and responsible human beings that, you know, we, we most, if not all of us, want to be at the end of the day. And I, and I appreciate the notion of using the term empathy because I, I think sometimes it gets lost on the individuals that the empathizing with folks when you just really don't understand their situation. And maybe if we did empathize a little with uh, individuals, maybe we could get a better insight as to where they're coming from and why certain they may react to certain things the way that they do. 
I think that's really, really helpful. And, and, and I think, I mean, what, what you just said there, that's, that's really, you know, strikes a, strikes a chord with me is this, is this idea uh, of how easy it is to say this, again, this statistic, I, I guess every single person in this group is trying to pull one over on the system and, and people aren't trying to do stuff better, but you know, it's people that love their kids and, and, and want to do the right thing. Um, yeah, there's screwballs around, but that's that's true in, in pretty much any group of people that you're going to look for. Um, we have to go to a commercial here, but when we come back, I want to talk about this a little bit more. We'll be back in about two minutes. Okay, let me pick it up from here. This is the older, the way older Joel. Um, but at, before the break, we were talking about um, Mr. Jackson's background as an attorney, uh, at one point, he was with the Guardian Ad Litem program. Um, before we update that, could you just explain in a word um, what that does? Or, in, or in a, in your, a your job is very mysterious to us, and, and I think a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what or, were you? Or do- it was what, yeah. Now you've moved. What were you doing, doing as a Guardian Ad Litem? Well, oh, I, I was a guardian ad litem program attorney. The state of Florida has uh, what many states have a guardian ad litem program that advocates on behalf of uh, that advocates on behalf of the best interests of minor children. And so, when a, a child is abused, abandoned, neglected, they enter our system. Um, that is with uh, the department, the state of Florida Department of Children and Families. And at that point, they are um, appointed a guardian ad litem. And guardian ad litems are volunteers that go and meet with these children, get to know them, spend time with them. And in many cases, they, these guardian ad litems, volunteers, they go above and beyond and have made significant strides uh, forward in the lives of uh, children who are in the system. So as a guardian ad litem attorney, I actually, I represented the program and I went to court and I was there with these volunteers who were there with the children just to make sure that the best interests of the children are met because it's not all, you know, we want to be clear that even though um, uh, there are situations where, say, a child may personally even be appointed an attorney, we feel strongly that you know, if you if a child has an attorney-client relationship, they you know they may tell their attorney to do something, and because of the fact that well, it's the child, uh, they that might not necessarily be in the best interest of what the child is doing. But because of that attorney-client relationship, there could be some notion that well, on behalf of my client, I have to do X, Y, Z. I see. The Guardian Lighten Program, they are said, look. We understand that we need to go in there on the best interest of the child and do everything we can as an advocacy group. And I have nothing but good things to say about the state of Florida's guardian ad litem program. Yeah, and the that's really that done on behalf of children. I imagine that really dramatically reduces the number of court rulings on uh, like candy and things like that as well. Uh, just to just kind of get things focused on the right stuff. Uh, the court declares he man to be the most powerful man in the universe. Um, is, I, I've got a question for you. You know, I, I was reading through your resume, which is 
fun to read through. Uh, anyone listening should should look you up, Leonard Jackson, and and uh, and you're, it's very inspiring. What what was it that made you? Uh, what draws you? What what drew you originally in your career and has continued to do that? I know you're with DCF now, and and I want to talk about that. But what what led you to want to help people that? Are, are vulnerable and can't help themselves. I mean, it was, was it, did you know from childhood that's what you were going to do? Did you find out later? Uh, I, I do believe somewhere in my DNA, I'm wired to some degree for this notion of serve, being a servant. Um, I, I really, I, I feel very strongly that the example that was given to us by Christ was, um, one of servant leadership. So I, I feel strongly that our leaders really should be more servants than anything else. And by being servants, lead that way and bring other people to where closer to God that way. And so I believe I'm wired that way. Um, I also come from a Caribbean background where I think there, there, racially, there's so, such a mixture in that uh, in the Caribbean culture that I, I always saw things a little bit differently. And um, I recall uh, going to college and getting involved with University Christian Fellowship, and um, was able to attend urban ministry and an urban mission project where there were approximately well, they just threw a bunch of college students in a house, uh, approximately 50% male, female, approximately 50% uh, black and white. And we hashed out racial issues. <laughs> and I really think that started to pique my interest in uh, the notion of wanting to deal with the issue of racial reconciliation, racial inequity, and racial inequalities, as it were. So um, all of those things leading up to now where I am, uh, uh, I, I currently hold a position as um, a hearing officer, an administrative hearing officer for the Department of Children and Family, where, in fact, I, I will have the opportunity to see people who are trying to get uh, appeal hearings on programs such as food assistance or temporary cash assistance and Medicaid. And it, 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 going through the training, and I've, I've been through, uh, just for the last couple of months, I've just been going through policy training. And just to find out what people have to go through hmm. to even maintain these programs in the state of Florida that's why it was so easy for me to respond and say, no, these people aren't lazy. I mean, they, mm-hmm. the government doesn't allow them to be lazy to, be able <laughs> mm-hmm. to get these uh, types of benefits. So mm-hmm. and I, just, it, I'm a working progress and just, I've been uh, going for a while. Just so that, just so that um, we can hear and the people listening can hear, <clears throat> because there's, uh, you, you are the boots on the ground. Uh, it's hard to dispute your viewpoint on this since you're the one talking to people. Um, would you say is a, a large, this is going to feel like another softball, but I'm just, I'm curious what the actual answer is. A large percentage, maybe half, a small percentage of people that have figured out a way to game the system so that they can get money and food and then uh, sit around and, and, and drink all day. Uh, is that, what, that picture that, that people have that gets painted sometimes, um, how often is that accurate? You know, there's fraud everywhere, um, up to the highest levels of our government, there's fraud. Yeah. And so um, I 
I, I believe that, I mean, we had a welfare reform back in the 90s, and that has made it abundantly clear that, look, uh, the United States isn't going to uh, just dole out uh, cash and food and uh, other niceties just because, you know, we want to allow people to sit around and drink booze or whatever all day. I mean, it's it, it, it's uh, it's been tightened up substantially since the 90s, and it's not as if uh, uh, the reins have been loosened at all. Yeah. In fact, I think they've been, uh, you know, uh, one can make arguments that they, they've gotten stricter over time. So I, I don't have any particular percentages or statistics uh, per se, but I, I do know that um, there, there has been this sort of uh, narrative that uh, – some people like to create, apparently, that people on welfare sit around and just do nothing while the rest of taxpayers uh, um, uh, flip the bill. Yeah, uh, I, can, I, I, can tell, I can tell you one of the reasons for that, and I can tell you this for, as an old white guy, um, is that um, if we can create that narrative, then we can be released from the responsibility of really caring um, and, and, but, but here's the, here's the rub in that. Even if there is a minority of people who have learned to game the system, um, that still doesn't touch the, the, the whole, um, horrible incident of childhood hunger. Children aren't, children aren't gaming anything. They just, they just want food and they want to, grow up and they want to, you know, see what they can learn and they, and, and so on and so forth. And so uh, the fact that you're with DCF and that you're an advocate for children um, and getting them the resources they need, uh, that's really important, I think. And so thank you for doing that. Yeah. And thank you for, and thank you for being on here today. Um, I know, I know everything you told us is stuff that's kind of obvious to you because it's stuff you do every day, but it's, it's, it's opening for us to hear. Um, so we really appreciate your time today. Thank you. And if I could just uh, just say one more thing, if I can, I just have two seconds just uh, for a quick plug on the conference. Sure. Yes, please. Uh, I, I just uh, that if people could just go to www.st.lukes.org slash end hunger, all one word, there'll be a plethora of information for this uh, conference on May 19th, and I'm so hoping that people can come out and join us. I think it's going to be eye-opening and uh, would be very informative for all. That's great. And it's open to the public, right? Oh, absolutely. Does it cost anything? Everyone. Yeah, it's only $25 per person, which includes lunch and child care. So wow, that's a bargain. That's pretty good. I might go just for that. That's good. Yeah, well, yeah we, we, we're trying to get everybody out here. Obviously, uh, in these times, uh, there has been a lot of emotion, particularly around the issue of race. And I just think now more than ever, we need to all get together and actually have some honest discussion in a dignity, dignified and Christ-like manner. Well, I, I look forward to partnering with you in that, Leonard, and uh, look forward to the event as well. Thanks again for being here. All right, bye. Hey, thank you all for having me. <laughs> all right, it was all really right. good talking to you. All right, and we'll be back here in about two minutes. Welcome back to The Bright Side. You know, I'm going to just come right out and say it. That 
Leonard Jackson we just had on. That's a good guy. He is a good guy. That's he, a, yeah, good good I'm, heart and he's smart. I'm always so impressed with uh, with anyone who like it's it's one thing to be like, yeah, I did a fun run this weekend, and uh, yeah. I think I'm really going to help out with diabetes because I ran. Uh, versus just that idea of, uh, and not everybody has it in them, you know, or maybe we do, and not everybody calls it out of themselves. But that idea of just a lifetime of dedication towards that, oh, towards uh, children that yeah. are that are having a rough time, boy, that would just break my heart every day. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah, the the emotional stamina that takes, you know, to do that is 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 impressive. D- that combination of both caring enough to do it and being able to emotionally be strong yeah. enough to do that every day. You said something before we went to the break that was that was uh, piqued my interest, <laughs> not just because you uh, became the representative of. of of old white guy <laughs> speaking as we're not, we're not all bad. We're not all bad. That, that, is, that is true. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, but you said something about this idea of, you know, uh, speaking as this old, old white guy, you know, and, and letting ourselves off the hook. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about that just cause I, I feel like there's, there's more that somebody who is a somewhat old white guy, uh, they, they can hear that. And really for, for most people, um, um, you know, uh, Babies uh, would listen, would learn um, of of every different color. Well, <laughs> so, let me tell you what I was what I was talking about. <clears throat> I was brought up in a middle class family where you you work hard, you earn everything you get, you don't take charity, you um, you um, um, make sure that you do treat people right. Um, and I just had a work ethic, and you know, I still do, Joel where this, it's what you do. It's how you spend your life. Um, but there's a certain, I got to be honest with you, there's a certain pride that goes along with that and maybe a little bit of stinginess that expects everybody else can do that too. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't, I don't take into account some people are not given um, a, a level playing field. Um, and so, and, and there's, there's and, and with, if you're a hardworking person, um, you've got everything you can do just to manage your own life, yeah. you know, and then you t- think about taking on all the problems of the world. And, and so you start looking, I do anyhow, you start looking for excuses why I shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and because that will let me stay out of problems um, um, that I could rationalize uh, avoiding. But, but I got to <clears throat> tell you, when it comes to things like Children and hunger and and just discrimination because of uh, you know people's background or how they look you know it, there's just no excuse for people like me and you who have a lot of power and we worked hard you know to get to a place where we would have influence but but to to not use that influence for people who really can't make it on their own. I think is 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 inexcusable. Well, I think that that's. I mean, it's there's 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 a there's a valuable insight in there of this idea that people naturally. I do this, uh, and everyone does to some degree because it's natural to to mirror your own uh, your own thoughts and and mores and uh, really your knowledge base, your background. <clears throat> I have such a cough. <clears throat> um, and that makes me think everyone else has a cough. Um, <laughs> but to put your own natural, your natural place uh, of of thinking on other people that you talk to, 
And, uh, and that's, and that's not true. I mean, the, the, the basic idea, I mean, the idea that you, uh, what, what work is and what that means to do that and stuff. I remember this is, this is somewhat off topic, but it's the same idea. I was trying to describe a ketogenic diet to somebody, um, and who was interested in, in losing uh, a, a significant amount of weight. And, uh, and, and clearly that person had, had not been on uh, a diet like that and hadn't had a lot of education in that realm. And so the idea behind a ketogenic diet is <clears throat> you have uh, almost zero carbohydrates and then around 60 to 65% of your diet comes from fat, specifically fat. And then <clears throat> the remainder comes from protein. And so then the person said, so like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Uh, and then I said, well, there's, there's bread. So that'd be like a carbohydrate. That's a sugar. Um, and then there's jelly and that's, that's, that's also a sugar, but peanut butter, um, like would be something that you could have some, there's still some in there, you know, but you could have like a spoonful of peanut butter and that would, that would count as something that's ketogenic. And then they said, oh, so like if you had just the peanut butter and, and just some strawberries. Uh, and then I was like, well, no, cause strawberries <laughs> are, and, and it was a conversation that was 20 minutes long and. But it's something where, you know, I, I had to spend forever learning the stupid structure, atomic structures of carbohydrates and stuff. And so it felt like, it felt like somebody intentionally misunderstanding all this stuff. And, and that's just true of any area of life. If, if you never, I mean, I got the privilege of, I, I never once, I don't think I ever in my life woke up before you ever. I don't know that it ever happened uh, because it's hard to wake up at 315. Jeez. <laughs> uh, and so, but like that influence, you know, where I like, if I get up at six, I'm like, golly, I'm lazy is that's, that's something that was, that was put into me. And so I, whether I mean to or not, I have this natural lens and none of that's to say there's an excuse for laziness, but there is an excuse for not knowing what's sure, what, what a hard day's work is and yeah. stuff like that. And, and I think that even then it's still the minority of the time because, uh, I, some of the hardest working people that I ever met, well, that's an exaggeration, but people that were among the hardest working that I ever met, uh, was when I was at McDonald's, when I was 15 mm -hmm. years old, mm -hmm. I watched this married couple, they work, they took every shift that anyone had to give up and they worked. Aww. I mean, I bet you they each worked 60 hours a week and it was all to support their family. And, Aww. um, I don't know what they made an hour, but I made 435. Jeez, uh, man, that was tough. <laughs> You're still, you got to give that up, Joey. You, you know, let that I go, still buddy. got a little bit of bitterness. <laughs> then Uncle Sam took his share. Oh, he always do, don't he? Uh, <laughs> I barely had enough left to buy my Gatorades. Uh, and so buy my hair mousse. And, um, and so, uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's really not a lack of, of work ethic. Most of the time it's a lack of opportunity yeah. and that comes down to, to education. And, um, anyway, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see what this, what this hunger, uh, this end hunger event is like, because it seems like most of the stuff that you go to, uh, or the, the boards that you're a member of, Tom's giving me the two minute sign. I've got to, I've got to, got to wrap it up yeah, here. So, but it seems like most of the stuff that you, that you go to is, is these boards, they're not aimed at, Hey, let's go make sack lunches and give them out. It's, it's this systemic issue. I mean, and, and I'm guessing, do you see hunger as the same kind of idea that it, along the same lines I, as homelessness? I do, but we always, in every one of these events, we always give people one or two things they can do. And, and the whole idea here is we can't solve the world's problems. But each one of us can do the right thing that will contribute incrementally to um, helping more people have food or having more people, helping more people have opportunities. And that's the whole idea. We each, you know, contribute our little deal. 
Um, and then we just, we know we've lived a better life. Yeah. And I think the word that's really helpful there in our closing minute here is, is that word of incrementally, because one of the traps that people fall into, and I do too, because I am also a people, is <laughs> that you, you think, geez, you know, helping hunger. I really don't want to go sit out at downtown tonight and try to find hungry people. It, but a, a incremental step might be just going to that St. Luke's website to, you know, mm-hmm. about end hunger and, and, and just for the first time reading some stats and seeing if it's something that interests you or you have a heart for it all. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that, what's that? A journey of a thousand miles uh, begins with, with the first step. Uh, correct. Uh, the, the first step. Um, and uh, it's, uh, that was uh, Lao Tzu who said that. Uh-huh. Uh, Wow, I'm impressed. Thank you. He was from China. I'm trying to figure out some way to loop that back to Japan where a journey of a giant plastic (laughs) bottle is with the first bite (laughs) if you're a bacteria, but I've got nothing. It has been really good to talk to you. Pop, I love this time. Thank you to Leonard Jackson for being here. We are out. We will see you next week.